This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Mark's sadness got you down, Hardwood Knox listeners. Thankfully, then, there's still betonline.ag. They remain kind enough to sponsor this podcast, and they have a great offer for you. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, betonline.ag, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Sports will return at some point, Hardwood Knox listeners, and when they do, you'll be happy that you signed up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you without my co-host Andy Bailey this time. I am, however, pleased to be joined by an OG of the Hardwood Knox podcast. He is the founder of NBA Math, our host site, and he is also a quality editor for Bleacher Report, Adam Frommel. You can follow him on Twitter at Frommel09. It's always good to talk to him. We're obviously going to be talking about the NBA being the NBA season being suspended in response to Rudy Gobert testing positive for the coronavirus. And we know now that Donovan Mitchell, his Utah Jazz teammate, has tested positive as well, and that they are the only two uh, NBA players, tangentially related employees, whatever we know of so far, that have tested positive. Before we really get into this, though, we just both wanted to make it clear that we've read stuff, we've We've tried to remain informed on this, but if we say something that is inaccurate, we're not trying to be egregious. We're not trying to be wrong on purpose, and we didn't set out to do this podcast with the goal of being inflammatory. We just want to have an honest discussion about uh, the NBA moving forward. And as a quick note for the future of this podcast, we might take the next couple of days off um, after this podcast, but we will start rolling out some big picture content depending on if we get clarity on how long the league will be shut down, we'll do some singular deep dives into teams' uh, futures. So you will still be hearing from us. Do not fear about that. Everyone just stay safe out there. However, we do have this discussion now to to partake in. I want to start, Adam, first with how are you doing? You know, I've I've uh, I've been better. This has been a, a strange, strange week, uh, especially as people who are very, very um, involved in the sports industry, which is just reacting to this pandemic and trying to figure out where to go from here. And just more importantly, as members of society and figuring out like how we're going to uh, implement social distancing and other things that can that can help people. Um, and try to reduce the the spread of the pandemic. Um, so it's it's been an interesting week, but I'm always glad to talk to you. Yeah, same here. Wish it was under better circumstances. I do wish that we could fire 
2020 into the sun. The past few years, I wish we could fire into the sun in general, but 2020 specifically has has been bad thus far. I'm curious to see what was your, even in the lead up to the Rudy Gobert testing positive for the coronavirus, what was your feeling about what the NBA had done to that point? Did you think that they were quick enough in even getting to the point where it seemed that fans weren't going to be at games, um, knowing that Rudy Gobert had been tested earlier in the day, uh, but before that Thunder Jazz game, were, are you surprised that the NBA didn't already have that game canceled without knowing the results? And then ultimately, what was just your feeling to see the news come in from both Woj and Shams that the NBA suspended its season? And it went from this, they're going to be taking these extreme precautionary measures to, oh, it's just done for now in the span of just a few hours. Yeah, I, th- I think... It was, it's hard to feel that the NBA did enough initially just because it, the response felt more reactive than proactive, which I think is a, a battle that is tough when there there's so much money involved and that ultimately has to be a consideration for these corporations and large businesses. Um, I wish it wasn't, but it does usually end up being that way. Um, and it, it feels like more could have been done sooner. Um, but I'm glad that we ultimately got to the place that we needed to be. Um, even if it was a whirlwind of a couple of hours, you know, I, I think you were working and I was working while all of this was unfolding and the timeline of events throughout the day was just ridiculous, you know, starting out with the Ivy league canceling all of their spring sports and, and moving on to the NCAA announcing that its biggest moneymaker March Madness was going to be played without fans. And we're at the time of recording this, we're still not really sure if there's going to be a tournament conference tournaments have been canceled, but the actual signature event itself has not. And, you know, just moving from there with the Gobert news, and then it took what four minutes from that response to the actual suspension of the season, which had been rumored earlier as one of the possibilities that all of the teams except the New York Knicks were talking about. Um, and yeah, I mean, just it's hard to it's hard to process just the the ridiculous breakneck speed of this news cycle and how important and and far reaching it was. And throughout, and in the middle of it, Tom Hanks and his wife tested positive for Corona as well. Was seemed to slip right into that timeline. My guess mm-hmm. would be, um, as we were recording this, Kansas, the number one team in the country, just announced that they've suspended all athletic events and travel indefinitely. So my guess would be the March Madness tournament is definitely not going to happen this year. Oh, there's no way. Yeah. There's no way. I just can't. I don't even. That's not even something that you could really postpone. I don't think. Yeah, I think there's just too much scheduling that goes into it. And, you know, especially using arenas that NBA teams share and all that stuff. There's it's it would just be too much of a scheduling nightmare. In my opinion, I think the NCAA should extend like eligibility waivers to basically every player this season and let the players who are going to go pro still go pro, let recruits come in, but just give everyone another year because otherwise you're you're stripping away what everyone had been working towards. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know how exactly the logistics of that would work. Um, maybe you only look at teams who would have made the tournament and do that, um, or who are still alive in conference tournaments. Again, like even the logistics of that are, are a nightmare, but it'll be interesting to see how that kind of thing plays out too. Before I ask you about just the impact this has on this NBA season and what the potential scenarios would be. Where do you sort of fall on the Rudy Gobert element of all this? Uh, The video has made the rounds by now that he was touching 
uh, all the r- reporters' microphones that were in front of him after the NBA had instituted that, I think it was, what was a six to eight feet distance um, mm-hmm. mandatory space between reporters and players, and they didn't have media in the locker rooms. Uh, he's been getting dragged on social media. And also in the, one of Woj's reports, he said that teammates are frustrated with Gobert saying he had shown a cavalier attitude towards the uh, coronavirus by touching people's things, which you would think happens normally in a locker room anyway. I don't know if it was an excessive um, instance for him, but where do you sort of fall on that discussion that's being taken place? Because I think it's a discussion that needs to be had as unpleasant as it is just because now he's so associated with this. And he probably always will be, but I think it's important that we don't conflate two different reactions to this. On one hand, yes, Rudy Gobert was incredibly irresponsible uh, and, and made way took took to this whole situation way too lightly when it was already clear that the NBA, even though those measures were insufficient and ultimately weren't going to make much of a difference, just took even those precautions far too lightly and put himself and his teammates and reporters and fans and everyone who's connected to these people at risk. And that was not good. He deserves a lot of criticism for that. His teammates should be frustrated that he didn't take it more seriously. And, you know, we don't know exactly what happened in the locker room if he was behaving as he normally would or if he was doing what he did with the microphones and phones and like making a point to really touch anything I don't think we've seen that level of detail in the reporting but at the same time like I don't think it's fair if his reputation is forever patient zero within the NBA and the person who's responsible for the suspension of the season that ultimately would have happened anyway there was going to there was inevitably going to be a player who tested positive for the coronavirus and was going to spread throughout the league if if it wasn't shut down. Um, we don't know if he's responsible for infecting Donovan Mitchell, um, who has also tested positive. Um, we don't know if Donovan Mitchell had it first because the the contagious period of this of this virus is five to fourteen days that are asymptomatic before you start showing symptoms. We have no idea what the timeline is on all of this, other than the fact that he was the first player who was reported to test positive, and four minutes after that, the, the, the season was suspended. So I think it's inevitable that he's going to be connected to it. I think that's another I, that, that's a little bit unfair to him, and we can recognize that while also criticizing his behavior. Yeah, that's definitely where I fall for uh, on it as well, just because I don't know, unless he was going around cities and licking random people i don't know how he put any additional people at risk who wouldn't have already been at risk had he contracted it in the first place and it's like you said based on the incubation period for all this we don't know who had it first whether it was mitchell or gobert because it's really spotty on when the symptoms could show i think i saw that 97 percent or more of the cases you're going to show the symptoms within 11.5 days but that there are select cases where it goes as long as 14. And so I, I do think he deserves the criticism just because to treat it with that cavalier attitude, it's a, a microcosm of how we're sort of in this mess in the first place, because we've known about the coronavirus since December, at least. And there have not been preventative measures being taken. And even now it's so hard to, to test people. And we talked about this before we were recording. It's just alarming that uh, according to the Atlantic, there have been 7,000 people tested in the U.S. so far. And 58 of those are associated with a basketball team at this point. And it, there's really a discrepancy in accessibility 
there. And I think you even had, I forget what the other number you said was before we started, that over the past week, there was only like 77 people tested or something like that. Officially by the CDC is what I think I saw there. Right. And so knowing that a majority of that comes from a basketball team, there's there's just so many different issues at play. And I, I just think the the optics of the way that he was viewing it, where he didn't take it seriously, that's just asymptomatic of this larger issue of uh, too many people weren't taking it seriously. And you know what? Myself included. Like this is just something that, yeah, I thought I was doing things. Like I thought I was being definitely more, uh, I don't know how you say more clean, but like I'm probably not going to go to the gym anymore. I, I believe it's cleaner. Cleaner, yeah. So that's, that's how you say it. But like even at the gym, <laughs> trying to just wipe down the machines more. I would always would, but I was just extra thorough. And like things like that, trying to make, washing my hands more often throughout the day than I normally would. But something like this is where it hits home and that's where it starts to resonate with people. That's definitely, I don't, I don't want to say it's wrong, but it is wrong. And so that it would take that long for people to take it seriously. So I think that's where uh, the criticism for him is is fair because he had that platform because he did it so egregiously where, you know, I don't know that uh, the reporters that were on the road at the time, they at least didn't test positive. We've seen now on Twitter. So him wiping those, his hands on those recorders, like the degree to which it actually had an impact is unknown if it had any sort of impact. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use, they even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code blue for 20% off. This is related to this though, and I will fall under the umbrella of someone who made a mistake here. The jokes that are sort of transpiring on social media, where do you sort of land with the ability to joke during a time like this? And I will, since you asked me whether I would, uh, and so that that means this isn't coming unsolicited. It makes Adam a better human than I probably, but I tweeted out something or about just a busier one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tweeted out something uh, about Rudy Gobert and the playoffs before we knew he had Corona before I knew the season was suspended. And it was just in poor taste. It was pointed out to me multiple times on Twitter. I quickly deleted it. I've, I, I've owned up to it. It sounds weird to say that I'm not trying to compliment myself there, but I do think there was no place for the joke that I made. Uh, I've seen worse ones, but there is no place for someone who wants to hold themselves to a higher morality bar for the joke that I made. But I do think that there is a place to not make light of what's happening, but to highlight lighter aspects of, of, of what are going to be offshoots from this, where if you want to joke that the Toronto Raptors are still going to be the defending champions when next season rolls around. But I'm also open to opinions to the contrary that would say, you know what, even the latter is not, not really okay this time. And so I'm just knowing what social media has become and how Rudy Gobert is getting dragged and knowing about, yeah, I think the low hanging fruit jokes 
I saw it multiple times where Rudy Gobert is really defensive player of the year because he stopped the entire league. That seems like something that would be mostly innocuous to me. I think when you're getting into the specific individual, and again, this is coming from someone who already made a joke in poor taste about the specific individual, you need to think more about what this infers uh, to the people that were ancillary impacted by this, where the reporters around him, the families, and, and then his teammates. So maybe even something like that is crossing a line. But I'm wondering if there's still room, in your opinion, to make light of aspects of this during what is not just for the NBA, but for our nation, for, for the entire world right now, a, a darker time. Well, first and foremost, for anyone who's listening to this, I think if you ever have to make an apology, take note of what Dan just did and and not say like, I apologize if you were offended or any of those like caging the apologies, like just take responsibility for the actual action, right? <laughs> or just don't make the action in the first place. I mean, that's Be ideal, better than I think me. that's unrealistic <laughs> too. Um, no, I, th- I think your examples are good ones. Like maybe we don't make as many jokes about Gobert right now because he is affected by this because he affected other people um during during this situation um and then more overarching ones like the toronto raptors are are still champions for the time being like those seem more acceptable and it's it's a fine line it's a tough one to find it's a tough one to define but ultimately i think that as the world kind of descends into figuring out what our responses are going to be to this pandemic and and how we're going to react and we're seeing in in so many countries that the idea of social distancing and trying to flatten the curve are the most effective ways of combating the spread of the coronavirus that you know we need levity and it needs to be appropriate humor it needs to be humor that that is is going to to uplift rather than to bring down um but it, it, there is a place for it I, I think the one of the best examples i've seen and this is a joke that has since been recycled multiple times that I've noticed on Twitter. That's social you know, media the, in a nutshell. Right, right. <laughs> um, and I don't remember who the first person I saw um, to come out with this was, but you know, the World Health Organization said that contrary to reports, that our, our dogs cannot have the coronavirus. We cannot pass it on to them. So any dogs that have been quarantined can be released. So effectively, who let the dogs out? Yeah, right. Like that one too. That's great. That's funny. It's not offensive. It's not making light of the situation. It's not making people have have a, a negative reaction if they've been directly impacted by this situation. And I think that 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 type of humor there's certainly a place for, and that it's something honestly we should strive for because we do need to be like working to to uplift each other while we're all figuring out what our our personal and and societal responses to this are i i think we should also note too that you know how bad the takes can get during an nba offseason now we're entering an unplanned offseason for basically every single sport oh i'm terrified the takes are going to get bad i'm terrified i'm scared yeah. horrified at what's yeah. going to transpire the actual impact on the league now though so there's there's going to be an NBA uh, Board of Governors meeting, I think, slightly after, shortly after we record this, so we'll, it'll be outdated by then. However, it does seem, based on the reporting, that this is going to be the suspension for a minimum of two weeks, but in reality, it's going it's to end up going to be much way longer. longer. 
Yeah, I think like we saw with the the Chinese Basketball Association that it was, what, two and a half months because they they shut down in early January and they're just starting to figure out how to come back now. Right. And so if you're in – whether we use that as a baseline or not, what do you think is the optimal outcome of all this for the NBA with regards specifically to this season? Is it just – they start the playoffs. Maybe there's a single game play-in tournament for all the teams that were competing for eighth in the West. Is it they just push everything back and they finish out the rest of the regular season or at least a big portion of it? The playoffs start later. The finals take place in August, essentially, and then you move everything back from there. The draft, summer league, free agency, all that stuff, including the start of, of next season. Uh, or do you think at this point there's a chance at, this obviously isn't the ideal outcome, but just looking at the future and the ramifications that pushing back the timeline would have on next year, do you think it potentially could reach a point where it just makes the most sense to cancel this season completely, hit reset and start all over next year? Uh, talk about a loaded question. I, I think the, uh, the most important and, and generalized plan should be that the NBA needs to realize that it is ultimately an entertainment organization and that no matter how how much it's going to impact the money-making mechanisms and the CBA and, and everything involved with the league, that basketball should not be played until we are fully confident that this has been handled and neutralized and that we are not endangering anybody by continuing play, even if that means no basketball period until 2021. Now, in an ideal world where we get this under control and something can happen and we're actually talking about the the timeline of these seasons, I think that the ideal outcome is still finishing out the regular season in delayed fashion, maybe even condensed fashion, but still giving players some sort of lead in into the playoffs, which maybe you even shorten those. I think it's it's possibly better to condense the playoffs than the regular season um, by having best of three series or best of five series and maybe only having a best of seven in the NBA finals. And then on the back end, possibly treating the 2020-2021 season as essentially like a pseudo lockout shortened season. You know, as we saw the last time there was an NBA lockout, starting it in mid-December and and only playing, what was it, 66 games, I think, Yeah, um, off the top of my head. Yeah, I think that you, it's still not just necessary, but it should be mandatory to have some sort of extended offseason, both for the, the mental and the physical benefit of the players, um, especially during what's been such a, a, a trying and tumultuous season from a mental standpoint, you know, dealing with a pandemic dealing with the uh, the death of an NBA icon when when Kobe Bryant died in in January. There's been a lot for these players to process, and the league has placed such an emphasis on on mental health priorities. You know, um, we've seen Kevin Love talk about it. We've seen other players talk about it. That it would be hypocritical and detrimental to attempt to to, to force feed the NBA schedule into a a rigid timeline when that's not how we should be handling this. Yeah, it's and as we were as you were actually speaking, the NBA announced that the league is going to be suspended for a minimum of 30 days for a month. So that's what they're already looking at. We're in the middle of March, and so you're looking at mid-April at the absolute earliest and just like you said with the CBA, the Chinese Basketball Association, not the collective bargaining agreement, that was a two and a half month delay and so we, I would say even to hope that it's back in a month 
to six weeks is way too optimistic. The one thing that might be a vote against finishing this season in some form, and I'm all for getting as much basketball as we still can once this pandemic is hopefully, hopefully has passed. But if teams aren't going to be allowed to practice during this time, like they're going to be under self quarantine, we can imagine for at least the next two weeks or something. But if you can't run practices and players have actually been out of games and that setting for two months or something, don't you almost need a training camp then to come back from it? And do we really want to see what the playoffs look like at that point, at least the quality of it? If, if guys really haven't played, I don't want to say in a competitive setting, but at least in their team setting after what could be six, eight, 12 weeks or, or something wild like that. Yeah, I think that's a valid concern. Um, I think that the determining factor should be less focused on quality of play and more on injury prevention. Um, if guys aren't prepared to to be back on the court physically and are asked to just jump back into it, and we have uh, demonstrable evidence that that's going to lead to increased injury risks, that's where things get concerning to me. If we have to deal with with low quality play, like okay, like we still watch college basketball, right? <laughs> True, true. The, if they brought back best of five as a result of this, uh, there will be people that will just latch onto it and, and never let it go because there are strong advocates for having best of five in the first round. If they have to go as short as best of three, and then we end up seeing like the the seven, you know, the seven seeded Dallas Mavericks in the West end up winning the title, there are going to be clamorings for that to be sort of a a new format. This really, this really just is uncharted territory. And I think there are larger concerns in the macro. And the more important thing is that everyone realizes it's not necessarily about them during this, just because if you're younger or you're in great shape and you're, even if you have a coronavirus, you're not at imminent risk, the people you come into contact could be. And that's where the concern needs to be. Now, all of that aside, I understand that needs to be the priority. I really hope we get to see basketball again uh, this year. Sports are going to come back regardless but I hope that this isn't a situation where the NBA 2019-2020 season is is just done. I, I hope that they're still able to finish it out in some format. Yeah, I mean, selfishly from my perspective, you know, like so much of what I do revolves around like historical record keeping and comparisons to past seasons and past players and stuff. And I have no idea how to process like a season that only kind of happened. Um and just from a precedent standpoint, like it would be nice just to have that, that sense of completion. Um, but that, that in no way should take precedence over, um, any of the overarching concerns, whether for the NBA or, um, society itself. Did you have anything to, to add on this front or anything you wanted to, to hit on with this? Um, I think that, that it, it just to reinforce what you just said, like, you know, it's, it, it, I would, I would assume that we have a, a mix of, of, of people listening to these podcasts. And if you are in a, 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 a bracket that is more at risk, whether um, you're above 60 years old or you have underlying conditions, like, please take care of yourself. Please take it seriously. This isn't just the flu. Um, if you are healthy, like, recognize that even if you you feel like you yourself um, are not at risk that by taking those chances you are 
contributing to the spread of this pandemic, um, either to people who are close to you or people you don't know. And the most responsible thing that all of us can do is to take this as seriously as possible and to make drastic changes to our own behavior in the short term to make sure that we don't have to make drastic ones in the long term. I'm and this is, I mean, this is bigger than basketball. I'm with everything you just said. And it's, it all sucks in the interim where you're thinking about the workers who are directly impacted by this. It does seem like at least some owners will step up and take care of the arena employees. I hope the ones who are worrying about, you know, hourly salaries, not don't have guaranteed wages, but there are businesses that depend on the foot traffic coming in and out of the arenas. And then there are just businesses in the larger economy that are really going to suffer in our business specifically. I think you and I are definitely on the luckier end of the spectrum at Bleacher Report, uh, but there are freelancers out there that aren't going to be so lucky because they need access to do their job on a daily basis. So my thoughts are definitely with all those people. And again, it, it's still a matter of though, we do have to think about the, the bigger picture and, and take this seriously. So I, I agree with everything you, you just said there. I'm trying to figure out how best to broach this one because we're about to to veer into more political territory. Um, but I think that it's been interesting to see how governmental coverage of this and sports coverage of this has differed. And the timeline was especially interesting um, uh, throughout Wednesday afternoon and night. We, we had uh, President Trump gave a, a press conference where certain policies were, were proposed given, I'm not really sure, um, restricting travel to Europe, um, allowing free testing and treatment. And those were subsequently walked back or modified in the immediate aftermath. But it was interesting how right after that happened was when Gobert tested positive and when the NBA suspended and, and really started to, to take the lead as other sports organizations in this country and around the world have done. And for me, it was a it was an interesting look at both how unprepared we are as a country for the reaction to a pandemic like this, and how interwoven sports are into our our culture and our society. Just that these leagues, which are ultimately independent operations, are making policy that are impacting so many people and are pushing American citizens and, and citizens around the world to realize if they hadn't already the, the gravity of what we're dealing with. Um, I think it's unfortunate that so many people took this lightly, weren't taking as many precautions as they should, weren't practicing these ideas of social distancing until Tom Hanks and, and Rita Hanks tested positive for coronavirus, until Sports are taken away, and and that that outlet that we have in the entertainment industry is no longer there, and that that's what it takes for us to realize what we should be doing and how an independent organization is taking more drastic steps than a government that seems more interested in suppressing the number of cases and treating people like numbers than actually doing what's necessary to combat this. Uh, I'm not really sure, like what I'm looking for as a follow-up here, or if I'm just talking to talk, but it was, it was, a that was one of my biggest takeaways from the day was just figuring out how to, how to process all of that and, and wrap my head around just these differences that we're seeing. 
Right. And also the, the, the variance in perception where it seems like people are expecting the sports leagues and holding them more accountable than they actually are the government, which is just certainly a problem. And I'd alluded to this before, but I was reading a New York Times article where I believe there was a lab in Seattle that was as early as December. They were trying to get um, approval for just rolling out preventive measures and being able to test people. And they just kept being rebuffed at every turn until not, not even until recently, but even up to Wednesday when all this stuff happens in the NBA. And I think you're absolutely right that it sucks that it takes more visible people being impacted for it to hit home for some people and even including myself. But then there's also a lack of, of exposure to the issue itself because it's not being handled properly by the government or being made a priority that it should have been. There's no reason uh, why there's always going to be an accessibility problem for these tests, but the extent to which it's an issue still is just absolutely egregious knowing where, in South Korea, if they can test 10,000 people a day, and we've only had around 7,000 people, again, numbers according to the Atlantic, tested in, in the United States after all this has happened so far, that number is obviously going to go up, but that then we'll have to look at the discrepancy between who actually has access to that. It's going to be the wealthy as opposed to the the everyday people. And so that's just something that's really disturbing. And then there's also, of course, the the issue of partisanship that still comes up during this where, you know, is it because um, one party is proposing these policies that they're getting walked back by uh, the other because, because you're still dealing with these stupid political agendas. And it's, I, I don't even know what the word would be here. You can't expect everyone to just coalesce into just one, uh, like one view or just that that's too ideal is I guess what I'm saying that what we want is probably too ideal, but the fact that we're so far away from what you just outlined being in that spot is unsettling times infinity. Yeah. I, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's revealed a lot. It's, it's made the, the income disparity very clear. Um, but I, I do hope that just the, the loss of such a, an, an integral part of our daily entertainment in, in sports um, is going to push for further change, you know, and, and, and really unity at a time where polarization has become the norm. You know, like we're, we're still seeing that, that Mitch McConnell is, is shutting down um, congressional response until after a recess, which doesn't make sense when this is such a rapidly evolving pandemic. We're seeing that, that um, House Leader McCarthy is is trying to shut down um, a, a Democrat proposed bill that would allow for sick leave, that would allow for for testing, um, and we just need to see more people coming together and 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 trying to figure out like what's the best way that we can we can do all of this together because ultimately like that's what's going to need to happen. Um, there was one positive development earlier today um, where Californian Representative. Um, Katie Porter really pushed the head of the CDC to get a commitment that all Americans will be able to get tests for coronavirus that are covered. Um, and that's fantastic. But this shouldn't be something that is a, 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 bar, a, a, a partisan issue that one side is pushing for, that the other side is pushing back against. Um, it, do, it, is not, it does not need to be a referendum on on Trump's leadership and and in my opinion wholly lacking response um, because ultimately like this is bigger than that we have estimates that 
over 100 million people could be impacted by this. And those might be conservative impacts, or conservative estimates, rather. And it's we, we need to, if nothing else, take this, the, the extent to which these sports leagues are reacting and extend that to, to all branches. Yeah, I'm with you every step of the way. And I think, as you sort of pointed out at the beginning of that, this is at least proof, if nothing else, that sports really do matter. And so if this maybe is the impetus for there to be more of an uh, of a sweeping change and, and general action, meaningful action, then at least there's that to take away from it. But I, I agree with everything you hit on right there. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a joy to talk to you, even when it's under less than ideal circumstances. If you guys aren't following him on Twitter, he's at Frommel09. Be sure to follow NBA Math on Twitter at NBA underscore math. Shout out to our sponsor for this podcast, uh, betonline.ag. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE that you received at the beginning of the pod. Until next time, I leave everybody with a shout out to Benno Udry and Kyle Anderson. And with this message of stay safe, and Andy and I and this podcast will continue to be pumping out content while the NBA remains in lurch. Take care. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.